This podcast is brought to you by Eisner Award-winning comic book store, Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska. And listeners like you, head to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click donate or check us out at Patreon backslash TwoHeadedNerd. Oh, ha, ha. Remember me, old chum? You Welcome to THN Cover to Cover for Saturday, November 21st. My name is Matt Baum. And I'm the Internet's Joe Patrick. Here is how it works. Sound like you're crying. Every Saturday morning. <laughs> the Internet's Joe Patrick. Here is how it works. I, that's not how I said it. Yeah, no, but your voice is all crackly like you were breaking up. Yeah, you know, my, I'm, I'm having some throat yeah, stuff. Big baby. I know. Every Saturday morning at 1030 Central, Matt and I go live on our Facebook page to wrap about the week's nerd news, and then we open the phone lines at 11 for you dorks to play along. Oh, if nope, you that's can't you. call in, <laughs> you can call us at 402-819-4894. You can click our Facebook call now button, or you can chat with us in the Facebook live chat. You can also jump into our Zoom and watch us live and chat with us in Zoom as well. It's super fun. We're all over the places, right? If you can't call in, that's okay too. You can leave us a message or send an MP3 to twoheadednerd at gmail.com. Before we open these phone lines though, typically I like to have Joe set up something to talk about. Oh yeah, I don't know what I was doing there. And we like to call that little segment nerd news. Nerd news. Yeah, I don't know what you were doing there. I either. don't either. I was going to like go into something about how it's like nerd news and editorials, but you know, whatever. It is what I it think, is. I think, like, I mean, we're 598 episodes deep, Matt. I don't really think we need to clarify our modus operandi we're still any rusty, further. Though. We're still rusty. I feel like we're just warming up, you know? <laughs> Tired of the X-Men living on a giant mutant island and teleporting through living portals? Am I? Do you long for the day when the death of an X-Man meant something? Do I? For five minutes. <laughs> Fear not, true believer. 2021 may be just around the corner, but Marvel is taking X-Fans back to the 90s with the help of Deadpool co-creator, writer Fabian Nicieza and artist Brett Booth. Which it doesn't get much more 90s than that. That's about as 90s as you can possibly get. Yeah. The blue and gold era returns to examine one of the 90s biggest X mysteries for an incontinuity flashback, sussing out the mystery of the third Summers brother in the first story of a new ongoing series titled X-Men Legends. When I read this, when I read what was in here, I just had this overwhelming feeling of dread <laughs> that washed over me because yeah. I, I remember back in the day when like they hinted that it was Gambit, that Gambit might be the third Summer's brother. And I was like, ah, no, <laughs> it <was> so gross. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, my God. It gets better. Yeah. Yeah. It just uh, keeps going. <laughs> Here's a little bit of a quote from Nicieza. I'm not going to get all into the hype about it. 25 years in the making to see the truth about Adam X revealed. I would, re I would read that first part to set up what he's saying there. Oh, uh, yeah, huh? yeah. 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 Sure. It's incredibly exciting to finally tell the story of the infamous quote unquote third summer's brother uh, says Nicieza 25 years in the making to see the truth about Adam X revealed <laughs> and drawn so magnificently by Brett Booth 
is one of the most surreal experiences of my career. Uh, I'm not going to read that because it's embarrassing. Oh, no, you don't want to read the part where you said it's extremely exciting. Like, that no, made me, I I if I were there, I would have slapped him. Wouldn't have been, Stop it. <laughs> you are an adult, sir. <laughs> Uh, the third Summers Brother mystery was first teased in 1993's X-Men number 23 by Nicieza and Andy Kubert when Mr. Sinister offhandedly mentioned the prospect of a third brother to Cyclops and Havoc. Barf. Over the course of Nicieza's three-year run on X-Men, he left clues that Adam X or even possibly Gambit. Did you add that? No, no. That's right. that's directly from right. Con. I That was a thing. I remember that. That was the first thing that hit me in the chest. Uh, so he left clues that uh, one of those yahoos could have been the third summer's brother. However, the mystery was left unresolved after Nicieza's departure from the title. A decade later, Ed Brubaker revisited the idea of a third summer's brother in X-Men Deadly Genesis. Another story that makes Professor X look like an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> a long series of Professor X's and asshole stories. <laughs> uh, in that series, a new character, Gabriel Summers, a.k.a. Vulcan was retconned to be the third Summer's brother and once a member of the X-Men. And it would take Jonathan Hickman to finally make me care about Vulcan. <laughs> I never cared about Vulcan. I mean, I still don't care about Vulcan, but... I like him now. He's kind of funny. I, I, I mean, he's goofy. Yeah, yeah. I like him. Nicieza and Booth's story will be the first of many X-Men legend stories with popular creators of the past revisiting and expanding on their classic runs within continuity stories, according to Marvel. Uh, other writers announced include Chris Claremont, Louis Simonson, Larry Hama, and Peter David. I don't, uh, think, X-Men, I don't think we need X- to read the quote. I think they get it. That's not a... Uh, oh, I, I guess. Yeah, it's from their press release or whatever. It's X-Men Legends number one coming this February 2021. And what it's basically going to be is like an untold tales of the X-Men. So... Except... In the case of the third Summers brother, now, that tale has been told. This is... Yeah, <laughs> this is what I need to discuss because I have a lot of feelings here. One, I don't care about a third Summers brother at all. We got... Enough summers as it is, we don't need any more. I barely care. Two, they told us who the third summer's brother was. That is a thing. It's done. Vulcan is here. Vulcan is in the new X-Men. As much as I did not care about the Ed Brubaker story, it happened. It was a thing. So aren't we over this and past this? And does anyone, anyone care about Adam X? Listener, I, I reach out to you right now. Get on your computer. Google Adam X and just look at the picture. Don't read anything about him. Just look at the picture. And then I want you to say out loud the first thing that comes to mind. And you're going to, I promise it's going to be something along the lines of stupid. (laughs) It was just dumb. Adam X was dumb. He had like a little backwards hat and some swords. (laughs) He's got tiny knives all over his body. So 90s and stupid, you know? (laughs) He he dances around you and, and nicks you with little tiny cuts and then he makes your blood boil. And I don't remember anyone back in the day being like, damn it, Fabian Isaiah left the book and we're never gonna know what happened with Adam X. <laughs> no! Nobody ever said that. This was not a thing. Now, the other set of feelings I have is completely opposite and nuts because I love this untold tales shit. I love it. And I love that they're giving people like Peter David and even Chris Claremont, although let's rein him in a little bit, I hope, <laughs> a chance to go back and like revisit stuff and add 
to their mythos. I love that, especially when it counts. It, it's, it reminds me of like what we were talking about with uh, Batman, Legends of the Dark Knight, the reason we love that book. Because like you got all these weird old Batman tales that could take place anywhere in Batman history and flesh stuff out and show us more cool shit. I love that aspect of it. So I am excited for this, but I am also embarrassed that I am excited for this. That's where I'm at. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's a pretty con- it's a pretty conflicted yeah, position. Like when you I'll see like some kind of gross porn and you're like, oh, I don't that kind of turns me on and I don't like that, you know? <laughs> Like, it's the same kind of feeling, you know? <laughs> well, okay, I'll take your word for that one. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't I don't care. I don't care. I, I, like, I'll probably read them. I'll, I'll read them if they look interesting. But, like... This first story know, certainly does not have me excited. Do not come back to me and try to tell me Adam X is the real third summer's brother. I, I, yeah. I, I, will not, uh, I will not accept it. Yeah. It, it seems... It's, if you're going to launch a book ridiculous. like this, aren't there bigger X mysteries we could delve into that like are a little more exciting? I mean, I know they have Fabian Nicezia on right there in the office, just waiting to write something apparently. <laughs> so yeah. I'm glad he's working. Brett Booth is a talented artist. I'm glad he's working. This is not how I would start the series, but I don't work for Marvel. You know, I hope it goes somewhere more interesting from here. Fingers crossed, buddy. Uh, Sarah Tverdick in the check <laughs> says that uh, Adam X is the poochie of the X-Men. <laughs> totally. He's, he, totally. Because, like, literally, uh, when Nicesia died, they're like, Adam X got on his spaceship and died on the way back to his home planet. The end. If, if, only, if only that had happened. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in DC news, do you long for a day in the near future where DC finally pulls itself out of the death metal mess featuring a never-ending cast of your favorite heroes reimagined as knockoff Cenobites with, like, knives Boy. and barbed wire and, like, swords on the back and shit. Boy, do I. Fear not, DC fans. Future State, a two-month event that takes place in the future of the DCU, is just around the corner. And there's big news for the future Wonder Woman. Yara Floor, your new Wonder Woman of the DC future in the upcoming Future State, will get her own comic book limited series showing her contemporary career as a young Yara Floor Wonder Girl. So, screw you to, uh, what's her name? I can't remember her name. The latest Cassie. one. Girl. Cassie. Cassie, yeah. yes. <laughs> Move over, Cass. Yara Floor was created by Future State Wonder Woman writer and artist Joelle Jones. We both love her. She's super talented. She is, uh, well, Joelle Jones is not. Yara Floor is a Brazilian woman who Deadline describes as the daughter of an Amazon warrior and a Brazilian river god, which I kind of love that. Yara's yeah, one- that's fun. Yeah. Yara's wonder like, she's girl. Not, she's not connected to, uh, like, Greek shit. It's different. Well, I mean, mom's an Amazon warrior, so yeah. Yeah, yeah, but you know what I mean. She's yeah. not like- yeah, she, yeah, I, I agree. Well, if if nothing else, she's a cross between Greek mythology and Latin Latinx mythology. We we'll call it Latinx. Sure, is that how you say it? Latinx, Latinx, right? Ah. I think it's just pronounced Latinx. Whatever. Yara's Wonder Girl, which as of now is billed as a limited series, but you know if it heats up, it'll be a series in no time. It's going to take place in the regular DC continuity after Future State ends and the DCU comes back 
from the future <laughs> this March. The series sees a young Yara Flor as Wonder Girl preparing for her later role of Wonder Woman, and it's possibly gonna be her origin story as well. Jones confirmed the new series on her Twitter feed with some kick-ass art, by the way. She's like riding a dinosaur thing and looked really yeah. cool. But that's not all. The Wonder Girl comic book was announced alongside a planned, it's not greenlit yet, but planned CW TV series starring Yara Flor as Wonder Girl from longtime CWDC producer Greg Belanti. They are going all in on this. Same story. Deep in the heart of the Amazon rainforest lies a hero, mythic legend, Wonder Woman, reads the solicitation for future state, Wonder Woman number one, in which Yara Flor makes her comic book debut. So the whole story is... DC has jumped forward in the future. Wonder Woman is not there. We've got a new Wonder Woman. She's a Latina. She looks great. I love the armor. The sketches look kick-ass. I like the little visor thing. I like that they have dialed down the red, white, and blue on her costume, and she just looks a little more Amazon yeah. warrior, like Themyscirian warrior, kind of. And I have no problem with this. Honestly, I feel nothing for the character of Wonder Girl. So giving me a new Wonder Girl doesn't upset me in the slightest bit. I don't think there is like a definitive Wonder Girl story out there that you're missing if you don't read. So this is a great chance to do something with this character and also do something with a Latina character in her own starring role who looks kick-ass, who comes from a kick-ass background, from a kick-ass creator, Joelle Jones. I'm officially excited. Yeah, this sounds totally fun. I, I, I love the design of uh, Yara Floor. I think she looks great. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they're, they're hyping it big time, her role in Future State. And, uh, you know, I, I will say that this is unexpected, that they're, like, they're already, like, shopping out a, a TV show. And yeah, uh, it's a big swing. It is a big for a swing. character that's not even out yet. It's definitely a big swing. And the funny um, part is like the haters that are mad about this instantly were saying like, oh, a new Latina LGBTQ Wonder Woman is coming. Great. And like, wait a minute. I didn't see that anywhere. What are you talking about? <laughs> so yeah, they I mean, just assume she is, she's gay too. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I I think I thought I read something. There's a um, there's a DC multiverse anthology coming out in December. And some of these characters are going to appear there for the first time. Oh, you know what? I think it's the new flash, not the new wonder girl. Yes. Um, so forget I said anything about that. Um, yeah, I, this is, this is great. Uh, the new series should be good. I like Joel Jones a lot. Uh, the, and Hey, if they can make it work with a TV show, like the, I love how the CW went from being like, we can't use anybody big. Right. We can't even, we can't even mention Batman. Uh, so we're doing the flash and green arrow, Batwoman, <laughs> yeah, yeah. a wild dog and rag man. <laughs> and, uh, I would kill for a wild dog rag man, like team up show. <laughs> hey, they were on arrow. You missed out. I you know, didn't watch I know it. they were. I did watch that episode. I hated it. <laughs> it was terrible. Uh, um, and now, now it's just like, yeah, fuck it. We're put, we're coming out with a Superman TV show, <laughs> and uh, yeah, uh, you know, we've got Batwoman, and and yeah, and now a Wonder Woman show, basically, or Wonder Girl, I guess it'll but be a character like this but, is, uh, is brand new though, so they can do whatever they want with it. They there's no it's rules true, at all. but they're not shying away from the big gun, the the yeah. from the connection to the big guns, right. like like they were, right? You know, right? Like when the Arrowverse started, 
they just acted like none of that stuff even existed. Yeah. Uh, and like, so when it came time to finally introduce them, they had to say, oh yeah, they all exist on different earths, which is why there's no Superman in the green arrow on green arrows world. Right. Um, but now they're all together. So it's one big happy family. Hooray. So no, I, I think this is very cool. And this, I would rather the CW does stuff like this than going and grabbing a character like green arrow and turning him into the arrow that we got on that show. I would much rather just like take some of these new characters, inflate their, you know, their personality on TV, get people fired up about it. And I don't know, it never happens, but maybe they will read the comics, you know, (laughs) that's the way to do it. Not giving us a completely different version that is just 100% unrecognizable from the character that is doing something in the comics. That's dumb. I don't need any more of that. Just call it something else. It's your turn. All right. To talk about. Jeff I, Johns. I know. It. <laughs> okay. I got it, Matt. Thank you. Dude. Jeff Johns lives. He's been a little quiet at DC lately, but the ex DC president, chief executive officer and co-head of DC films is teaming up with his buddy and superstar artist, Gary Frank for a new creator owned series at image called Geiger. Here's your solicit. Who are the scavengers of a dying earth? Geiger is set in the years since a nuclear war ravaged the planet. Desperate outlaws battle for survival in a world of radioactive chaos. Out past the poisoned wasteland lives a man. Even the night crawlers and organ people fear. Ew, that's gross. That sounds yeah. gross. Just yeah. reading it. I think I dated Some, an organ person once. Actually, it was gross. <laughs> Some name him Joe Glow. Yeah. Others call him the Meltdown Man. But his name dot 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 is Geiger. Johns and Frank first worked together on a two-issue arc of Avengers in 2002 uh, and reunited in 2007 for a run on DC's Action Comics. It was glorious. It was amazing. Uh, Following that, they teamed up on uh, projects like Superman Secret Origin, Batman Earth One, uh, a little bit of DC Universe Rebooth, and of course, most recently, Doomsday Clock. Oh, yeah. It was a thing. Uh, They will be joined by their colorist, Brad Anderson, uh, and they began working on Geiger after the completion of the third Batman Earth One graphic novel earlier this year. This will be John's first creator-owned comics work since Olympus in 2005. I do not remember Olympus at all. Humanoids put it out. Yeah, I had to look it up, and I don't think I ever read it. Now, all these comics mm-hmm. we're talking about will be in our required reading section if you guys want to check them out. But yeah, I legit had to look it up. I had no memory of Olympus whatsoever. Uh, and it's been almost 20 years since Frank's last creator-owned work, uh, 2000's Kin. I remember Kin. Uh, it wasn't and great. And 2001's Midnight Nation at Top Gal, which was an imprint of uh, Image Comics. That was JMS on Midnight Nation. And Midnight Nation was fun. It was like a vampire story. Kin was like uh, a weird. It wasn't a vampire story. No, it was about it? like, no, no, it was about people that like, I thought it was like night creatures and stuff. Uh, there were creatures, but it wasn't vampires. No, it was about like people that get lost by society and forgotten by society. So they just kind of fade away. And so they live in this like shadowy version of earth where oh, it's okay. like, yeah, nobody can see them except the other forgotten people. And then there are these, Scary beasties. Gotcha. And Ken was about a caveman. 
<laughs> Kano was about a caveman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Much more, uh, much more simple premise. Yeah. This is going to be John's first major non-DC work in almost 20 years and just over two years since he stepped down from all, from all his highfalutin executive positions. Does he have a job other than creator at DC right now? Is he just a writer? Well, he's no longer the co-head of DC Films. Yeah. And he's no longer the president slash chief executive officer. Yeah, so he doesn't have any I other titles, not. right? He's just a writer. He's just a writer, yeah. I wonder if he got in trouble. I don't know. Yeah, but you know what? Why don't you just put that brain to percolate? And well, like we've do? been talking about Jeff Johns for a long time and like what is going on with this guy. He used to be like the biggest creative powerhouse they had writing the biggest events that they had. Yes, but these these shakeups at DC have been going on yeah. for a long time. So it's not like really that big of a shock that Jeff Johns got the boot or whatever happened. Yeah, I, I don't know. I hope we'll find out one day what did happen. And then there's all this bullshit. Uh controversy i'm gonna put that in air quotes about the uh, Zack snyder justice league yeah, and with this the guy and, that plays cyborg like, is like saying oh that. and jeff jeff johns just kind of threw his weight around and ruined it when he brought in joss whedon to finish yeah like, come on well first he was like uh, joss whedon was out of control and totally rude and like what did he do he was out of control and totally rude. And they're like, okay, tell us, like, can you give us an example? Yes, he was out of control and he was completely rude. <laughs> like, okay. And, and they're like, yeah, and Jeff Johns too. You know, like, I want to know what's going on here. I want to know what's the thing because yeah. none of the other stars have said anything. They've been very quiet about it. Except to say, like, yeah, we're excited for it to come to HBO Max. <laughs> Ray Fisher is the other guy that's mad about it. Ray Fisher. Is, I'm not saying is Ray so is wrong. Yeah. I just, if there's more of a story here, I would like to hear it and know what's going on. I just want to know what happened to Jeff Johns. Is he a jerk? Is he not a jerk? Should we be mad at him? Should we celebrate that he's doing stuff at Image? I just want to know. This sounds interesting. I'm curious. I love Gary Frank. I love Jeff Johns. I will say, in the past, reading Jeff Johns stuff that wasn't, directly connected to superhero universes. I can't say it was ever blown away by it, but I mean, who knows? Who knows? Maybe this'll be the thing that we all go, okay, look, he can still do it. I hope so. Gary Frank, I'll look, I'll watch him draw anything. I will buy anything. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Gary Frank, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I'm on board for this. Yeah. I'm, I haven't loved a lot of John's, uh, recent, DC stuff, but yeah, um, I, I still think he's a, a decent writer, and I think this is definitely going to be worth a look. It comes out in April. Uh, we don't know how long it's going to be. They haven't announced that. It's probably not, you know, an ongoing. I guess it has like a finite length. But I would guess, yeah. I mean, Gary Frank's not the kind of guy that's going to sit down and do a monthly. I think he does projects and then moves on because I think right. he takes quite a bit of time to finish what he's doing because he's such a talented guy. That is it for your nerd news. <laughs> Sorry, I thought you had another thought. <laughs> and of course, we want to talk, about, talk to you about these and all the other stories and all the stuff we talked about on the show last week. But before we do that, Joe Patrick, we have been sitting on this damn question of the week for what feels like a month now, almost a month now. Set it up. Yes. Kids, uh, all right. So this week's question was submitted by new guy via the TH and forums. Uh, he's got this very long um, uh, in intro uh, that I've read about four times now. And it's uh, at this point, it's so dated that I'm just going to skip it. Uh, basically, the premise of the question is. <clears throat> 
what do you think was the worst example of misuse, uh, appropriation, or a fundamental misunderstanding of a comic book or other nerdy character? What what did you see or read that got a character so completely wrong? My quick answer to that one, and it was your fault because you mentioned it a couple weeks ago, was the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen movie. <laughs> it's like, ugh, ugh, <laughs> so bad. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> no, just compared to what Alan Moore did in that book. And then Laura went to the movie like that is the thing that everyone and Watchmen is one thing. And I get that like people are upset about it. But League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, that is the one where like if you're mad <laughs> about Watchmen, you should see this piece of shit. <laughs> you know? Oh, such garbage. Let's, Written by Starman's own James Robinson. There you go. Let's get into it, kiddies. We got JD got a catch. He's sitting right here. He's waiting patiently. He's ready to play along. What I want to talk about today is I want to go back to 1988. 1988. And uh, it's funny you guys talked about Fabian Nicieza, uh in the news this morning because I want to talk about a Fabian Nicieza book. Ooh. Uh, so I was going back through uh, the lake house and they've been adding and filling in those gaps that they had notoriously at the beginning of Marvel Unlimited. They've been doing a really good job of filling him in. And... I noticed that they filled in and finally put up the very first Daredevil comic I ever read. Oh, which was what is which was uh, number two fifty eight. Okay, from nineteen eighty eight. Uh, it is uh, Fabian Nicieza and Ron Lim, and it is Daredevil hunted by the Bengal. Oh, I know yeah. exactly. Yeah. I can see the cover now. The Bengals on the cover yeah, with like yeah. the with the weird knives in his hands and stuff. And like, yeah. oh man. I love yeah, yeah. Ron Lim. And he's Lim. like, he's like coming out of the tree behind him. Yeah, dude. I love Ron Lim. Yeah. That dude, underappreciated genius. He is so good. Oh, yeah, yeah. And you know what? Rereading the the issue, man, that issue holds up. Totally. Oh my God. It's it's what I loved about Late 80s Marvel was that it was a one and done issue. It was a pretty much a, just a street level, like DD, you know, helping out a guy that he knew as Matt Murdoch and this weirdo, like hunting him and all of his guys from his platoon in Vietnam. And it was, you know, it was just, it was just daredevil, like running around, like beating a guy up. I mean, it was just, it was so much fun. It oh was yeah. So awesome. Oh yeah. Um, so Nicesia, let's just talk about him for a minute because mm -hmm. it's easy to joke about Adam X and stuff like we were. Which is a joke and not funny, <laughs> but that dude also wrote a ton of super solid comics back in the day. He was a oh, yeah. very talented writer and the, the new, yeah. um, juggernaut series that he's writing. It's great. It's really fun. Oh yeah. Now, now with that said, I think it's kind of bullshit that they're putting it in the X-Men timeline and like the, you know, the timeline of like here's what you need to read for x of swords or whatever is going on and like and juggernaut number five like okay <laughs> hold on number one wasn't even in here why suddenly is he there he's not a mutant this has nothing to do with anything that's going on there like come on <laughs> i mean they just list all the x no, i mean he, no i agree checklist. he is related to xavier though kind of take a look at that cover god that's hot so man yes so I know. Hot. I love that shit. Those weird ass knives. There's a really cool thing about those knives in the issue. When he first starts fighting Bengal, Matt immediately says the blades are a derive or or how does he put it? He says they're a they're a derivation of Psy. 
Yeah, the blades of derivation of the Psy, Electra's weapon. Yeah. It distracts me. Totally. <laughs> and they're just like, I'm like, that's awesome. We haven't seen the Bengal for a long time, by the way. Uh, nice Yeza uh, would bring the Bengal back in the New Warriors. Uh, he was, was say, after. He didn't create the Bengal, did he? Yeah, the, the, this is the first appearance of the Bengal. Oh, I didn't know that. Nice Yeza created the Bengal. Yeah, this is, right. yeah, this whole thing is like his origin, and this is the first time we ever see the Bengal. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know he created him. I don't. And, and he really could have very well just been this issue and gone away, but like, I didn't even know. I didn't know they brought him back. That's pretty cool. I'm going to, I'm going to look him up. Yeah. It was a two part story. Um, where, uh, the subplot is that, uh, um, God, I, why can't I remember his name? Oh, night thrasher. Um, mm-hmm. night thrasher is trying to stop the punisher. Uh, who is also trying to stop uh, the Bengal from killing this priest who was a Vietnam soldier that like killed a bunch of civilians, you know, at, like, was that the Bengal's jam? It's like he was killing soldiers uh, guilty of war crimes. Yeah. Well, yeah, his, yeah, his, well, his origin in this issue was uh, the, the guy was, he was in a, he was a kid in a village in Vietnam and there was a platoon of American soldiers like at that village and something happens. And the guy that Matt knows got blinded by a grenade and it made the rest of his platoon kind of lose their shit. And they just mowed down the village. Ah, uh, okay. And the kids survived barely, but it was this kind of thing where like his whole life's mission was just to wipe out everyone in this platoon. <laughs> Fair enough. He was going to get his yeah. revenge. And yeah. It was a classic revenge story. And it was that kind of thing where it was like, you know, they did a pretty good job in the issue of, um, you know, kind of pointing out that, you know, he's not wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, and that new warriors, uh, that new warrior story is really great. Uh, you know, that that's not the main plot necessarily of that two, two part arc, but, um, I, and it's early on in the run too. I want to say it's like, seven and eight or eight and nine. Um, if they're on the app, you should look, look it up. Um, but, uh, it's, uh, it's, a, it has a great little ending, you know, cause this pre this priest, this former soldier had, you know, he had repented and, you know, he regrets what happened and now this killer's after him. And, uh, so you've got this kind of three-way race to see who can either kill him or save him, uh, between the Bengal night thrasher and the punisher, um, and it's got a great fight between, uh, Bengal and, and Night Thrasher. And, uh, yeah, I highly recommend it. Great Mark Bagley art. Wow. Yeah. Skateboard definitely check versus Psy. <laughs> well, sure. I think, like, I think he almost immediately ditched the skateboard, but he, he made, <laughs> like, he would sometimes use it as a shield. Yeah. He had the tonfa sticks. That was his thing, right? Yeah. 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 He did yeah. have the, he did, he did have the batons. Right. You know, that's the thing that I found that, that this issue reminded me of is, in the the eighties, how often Vietnam was a storyline touch point in Marvel? I mean, the amount of times that I've seen like flashbacks from a Viet of a Vietnam platoon in a Marvel comic just blows my mind. Yeah, and they they sort of between more modern day uh, they tried to move it to kind of like Desert Storm, and I don't think it worked 
really yeah, well. Yeah. You know, like that is no, not to not say that well like bad <laughs> things didn't happen to soldiers and you know civilians in Desert Storm. It absolutely mm-hmm. did, no question. But it wasn't like fucking Nam, man. <laughs> you know, like there's a reason why there's more <laughs> yeah. Vietnam movies than there are Desert Storm movies. You know. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. I mean, Vietnam. But, yeah, that's Vietnam came with a lot of baggage. That's. Uh, good fuel for storytelling. Yeah, right, absolutely. right, and a lot of baggage that's still being unpacked too. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah. But uh, maybe uh, nice easier though. I want to go that, back to that for a minute. P- people talk. We are guilty of it. Of talking a lot of shit mm-hmm. about '90s comics for the big two. Fabian Nicesia's X Men and X Force was great. It was straight oh, yeah. up great stuff. Yeah, I mean, you can look. Uh, of course, you can look back at it and find things that are dated, like Adam X yes. or, or mm-hmm. some of the dialogue choices, but like. No, those are solid. I still say, fun I would stories. still say Nicesa is the best, one of the best cable writers ever. Oh, without a doubt, he wrote one of the yeah. best cables. Without, a I mean, doubt. he he understood that character really well. And Nicesa was a guy that like really got into all the weird Ascani stuff, right? That was him. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Where we met yeah. like blacksmith and shit, like the weird alien thing that helped cable out yeah yeah oh man those were fantastic and jose ladron drew a bunch of those issues and they were awesome so fucking rad uh that was joe casey was that joe casey well i mean blacksmith was around for years before yeah. that run but you're Nicesia talking about started all that stuff right and casey ran with it casey and ladron worked together That's yeah right. i think like blacksmith uh is a is a nice as a character yeah, definitely He's made the cable way more. Oh, yeah. Black. Uh, it's pretty funny. Um, Maz Kanata from the new Star Wars movies, the CGI character played by uh, Lupita Nyongo. Okay. Uh, she owns the bar, right? She's right, got right. the big. And like. The girl with the peepers. Yeah, I was like, she looks like fucking blacksmith. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> totally. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> she could do blacksmith's voice if they do that movie or a cartoon or whatever. I'll take it. It's fine. <laughs> no, man. Nicesia does not get enough love. That dude. Now, with that said, I don't care. You know, Adam I, X. Yeah, well, Adam X is well, I, I'm kind of torn on that because unlike you, Matt, I mean, yeah, I agree. He's totally stupid, but I'm also morbidly curious. No, I am also understanding that this X-Men forever thing or whatever it's called. It's not going to fucking matter. It's not going to care. It's just going to be a, a, an oddity curiosity story that you can just go read and either love or laugh at or whatever. It should just be fun. It should be just fun. That, and that's what I love about this shit. I would, I would also really love it. If he like, what would be really fun is if he just leaned into it and just really went fucking weird with it. I have a feeling they're going to. I have a feeling he's going to tell you. I hope yes, so. Adam X is a Summers brother. He's not just Shatterstar who changed his clothes to look a little more extreme. <laughs> like he is a Summers brother. <laughs> uh, let's, let's make him. Let's make him a Summers clone from the Mojo verse. I love it. I mean, I'm totally in. <laughs> let's explain it. Let's explain it. Yeah. Anytime yeah, it, you bring Sinister and Spiral got at went at it. You down. know, there yeah, Spiral's in the body farm, right? And she took like <laughs> yes. one of the Summers eyelashes or something and grew a new Summers brother. You know, and like put him in a backwards cap and shit. I'm totally Totally down. <laughs> point of clarification. Point of clarification. Blacksmith was actually created by Jeff Loeb. Oh, 
really? Okay. Yeah, Jeff Loeb yeah. was the cable writer. He he's the one that kicked off the cable ongoing series back then. Okay. Um, because no, it's nice. Caesar wrote the first cable miniseries. Well, he wrote the mini, but I'm talking about the ongoing. Uh, yeah. that was uh. He wrote the first uh, few issues of the subsequent ongoing, and then Jeff Loeb took over. Yeah. So uh, Blacksmith first appeared in Cable Number 21, and it was written, uh, 1995, written by Jeff Loeb, with art by Arnie Jorgensen. I remember when that happened, because it was just like, this character popped up, and Cable was like, what are you doing here? I've known you for years and years and years and years, but nobody's ever met you in the books, but here you are. And we were all like... Oh, okay. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah, he's from the far future, you know. So it was, he he is part of all of that, you know, that stuff that they added to Cable's origin where it's like, all right, he's from the future. Okay, yes, he's the son of Cyclops. All right, yeah, here's his here's his mentor from the year 3800 or whatever. He's also a mutant messiah. He's yeah, also yeah, part so. of a prophecy to kill Apocalypse. Until such time that that prophecy comes true and he doesn't kill Apocalypse. <laughs> it was a whole thing. <laughs> oh, the 90s. Oh, man. all right. Uh, uh, now this says, uh, I'm getting conflicting information here. This, sa- uh, this says Blacksmith was created by Jeff Loeb and Ian Churchill. And he first appears in X-Men Prime number one, uh, which. Oh, X-Men Prime. I believe was the issue when they came back from the age of apocalypse. That could be Jeffrey. We got a call coming in, so I'm going to cut you off, man, but it is always good to talk to you. Thank you for uh, helping us relive the nineties. All right, man. Have a good time. Talk to you later. And you caller. Thank you for calling THN cover to cover caller. Who this? It's Brian Domingo. Good morning, Mr. Brian Domingo. How are we? What's up, Brian? What's going on, guys? Oh, you know, we're reliving the '90s, talking uh, X-Men prophecies, and uh, I am mutants I, I that am, don't seem to have any powers, but they do have a lot of fucking knives. <laughs> the, the more, I, the more I thought about the X-Men Legends—is that's what's called it—is it X-Men Legends or whatever it is? Um, yeah. I am like, I'm kind of psyched for it. Like, I, yeah. I'm getting, I'm, I have no joy in the current X books. I don't care about any of it. Really? They're not, they're not for me. And I realized that I haven't really enjoyed one for 10 years. Really? Like that. Okay. Like, yeah. I'm not I saying you're know. wrong. Like the, like, I think that's totally valid. And I, and you're not the first person to say like, what in the friggin' hell is going on with these X books? So, <laughs> it's, it's weird as hell. I, I don't disagree. Are you still there, Brian? We had a weird hiccup. Yeah, that was strange. I don't know what happened. Oh, my internet connection is unstable. I apologize. My VPN just like turned off for some reason. I don't know why. Now you're exposed to the world. I'm going to call him back. See what happens. Brian, call us back. God damn it. We're right in the middle of something. I don't know what happened. I apologize for that. Let me shut this down real quick. None of this will make the show, by the way. Disconnecting. There we go. Okay. Okay. Sorry about that. I had some weird uh, VPN issue. It is now turned off. So, Brian, if you'd like to call us back, that would be swell. I'll try and call him in the meantime. 
which we never do, but I feel rude. Hello? Sorry. That's <laughs> <laughs> so what happens when you piss us off, Domingos. We hang up the damn that's phone. A, apparently, that's the funniest phone call to receive. Is, uh, oh, sorry, two-headed nerds on the line. Um, you were saying. I apologize. The um, Yeah, I think um, th- there's been... One second, guys. There's, there, I don't know. I just, I feel like it's a, um, a kind of a, like a way, it's almost like a new start from the past. Um, I, the, the Adams, like the, the Summers brother thing is so strange. And so like, it was like, I, I really think it was like a throwaway idea that oh, without a doubt got cemented into, into that Vulcan thing that was so dumb. And the, the deadly Genesis was like really awful. And like, like, it, it just it started this whole oh my god there's a guy cleaning his shoes next to me um, I'll walk the other way he, uh, are you at the golf course? where are you? I'm, I'm, in, I'm, I'm in a beach parking lot and he's oh, okay. banging his shoes uh, um, he, we're having a social, social distancing uh, Thanksgiving oh. the, at the beach that's very um, nice that, that's, that's what you do on Cape Cod in the winter time okay um, fancy management the um, yeah, the uh, I don't know the Vulcan. Vulcan was so bad, and it was a bad idea. And like, like here's a whole bunch of characters that Xavier murdered, and then right. you know that we never knew about. And like, it just he's like this omnipotent character who it, it just it, it didn't work for me. And I thought it was like, oh, this isn't great. And it started this whole run of just stuff that wasn't good. And so there, there's just something that kind of tickles me of like, all right, sure. Like Brett Booth is drawing it, we're with Fabian Nicieza. Like, great, dive in. Like, this yeah. is this is kind of like a, it's like a golden era kind of nonsense. So, um, I'm kind of I'm kind of here for it. Yeah, and the stakes like can't be lower in these Untold Tales books. Whatever, they're not going to like undo. You know what? If they undid Vulcan, I'm fine with that. It's weird to say out loud, but like, think about how bizarre it is that one of the most celebrated writers in comics came to the X-Men. We were all thrilled to see it. Like, Ed Brubaker is going to write the X-Men? This is going to be amazing. Oh, my God. And guess what? <laughs> it sucked. <laughs> it sucked it bad. Sucked. <laughs> I mean, his whole run is not that great. Yeah. It, it's, it's not good. And I just think he was the wrong guy to, to write something like that. We, we know Brubaker is amazing. The guy has won Eisner Awards for his work. Super talented. He's like... He's like a hard-boiled crime detective. Like, yes. I say detective, but more like sleazebag crime thing. And the first story was, let's 12 issues in space. Yeah. Which and, is like, you're, and, and I remember when it was coming out, and I was like, this is too, it's 12 issues is too long. Like, yeah. it's, it's, it was way too long. And, and he was like, guys, I know you think it's too long. I got a plan, blah, blah, blah. And then four years later in an interview, he's like, yeah, it was too long. I was like, yeah, everyone knew that. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone knew that man, but you didn't know that. So, well, um, and like, you know, and also, like, it couldn't keep any momentum because every other issue, it bounced between two different stories. Mm-hmm. Wasn't it? Right. Was it bi-weekly at the time? Was it coming out twice a no twice a month, or was it once a month? They were bouncing between story. That's just ugh. It might have been that, like, you know, whatever, like three week thing where it's like there might be two issues some month. And, and then other ones, there's one like, you know, they get on that weird, yeah. it's like 18 issues a year kind of thing. Um, right. But yeah, but they have fill in issues all the time. And it was just this like really weird. I don't know. It, yeah, it was it was a mess. And yeah. um, that character didn't work. And so, like, I think Adam X is like so dumb. It was an awful. But like, I don't know. Like, I 
those X-Force issues were kind of fun. You know, it's like a young, hungry Tony Daniels was like, cool. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. I, I've got a real like soft spot for the Jeff Loeb, like Ian Churchill cable era and the Jeff Loeb, Adam Polina X-Force. Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. They just were like good team books and good like cable. Was, and then ca- that cable thing goes right into the, like the short James Robinson, then the Joe Casey, like year and a half, which is like amazing. And totally. Um, it's, you know, it's just, it's, it's a fun time of kind of either boring, you know, kind of like small family kind of things where, you know, it's, it's those like traditional X-Men stories where it's like, you know, Thanksgiving issue or, yes, um, absolutely. you know, the, the base, the softball game, like it, it felt like it did. It felt like the X-Men, even though it didn't look like the X-Men and totally. it, it, the books have not felt that way in years. And I think I don't disagree with that at all. Not, I don't disagree with what you're saying there at all. Yeah. Like as much as I like this new X-Men stuff and as wacky as it is, and as much as I love Hickman, it does not have that spirit of the X-Men that I grew up loving by any means. I think I like it because they're shaking it up. But one other thing I'd like to touch on X-Force specifically, I really miss that like small tactical group of X-Men that do a certain job, you know, book. I loved that. That was my favorite thing about X-Force. It's like, we're, they're a tight-knit group. They get set in to do certain things. The mission is go, you know, knock off this guy or go blow that up or whatever. And they, and they get in the shit and they come home. I don't necessarily need the murder force that it became <laughs> later on. Although I yeah. did like that X factor or that X force murder force book as well. That was kind of fun, <laughs> but it did get to a point yeah, where it's like, okay, Cyclops, you are now ordering the execution of people before they commit crimes, <laughs> which is, uh, you know, well, that, well, it's, it's a really interesting kind of statement on those things of the, cause the first one, if you recall before, like the remender one kind of gave it a purpose and a brain and like a heart to some extent, even though the heart yeah. was kind of, I don't know, Deadpool sometimes, but, or like Phantom X, but it was like, <laughs> it had a purpose, but it also was like really interesting storytelling and good character stuff. And then, but right before that was the, these characters have knives or like long fingernails. Yeah. Like it was definitely and like Wolvesbane and Feral and Wolverine and like Warpath were like X-Force. And they were just, it was like that Mike Choi computer drawn murder yeah. force. Like, I think there's even issues that have like extra blood in them. Like it was like ridiculous. Yeah. Okay. And that was from that, that Brubaker era where, yeah, that's like, I don't understand what this book is. Yeah. But then, you know, in the, in good hands with a smart writer who, has an interesting point of view, you get the remender thing, which is like, which great. was amazing, it's, which the book. And it's, it's shorter than I remember. Like I thought it was like 45 issues, but it's only like 30. It's yeah. I think it was 25, brief, 30 issues. Is surprising. Yeah. 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 David Robbins in the chat just called them X-Men murder hobos, which at the time it pretty <laughs> much was, it was just like, all right, X-Men kill my X-Men. <laughs> They're like, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's so I I tried the so liking the X Force thing. I tried the new like House of X era with uh, with Benjamin uh, Percy, who I like, um, and it's okay. It's just I don't know. It doesn't give me that like it 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 kind of doesn't work for me. Um, and then in you know in like the second issue, it ends on like a cliffhanger where like 
Quentin Choir, like they get like blown up in the middle of the teleportation thing. So he gets like decapitated. Yeah. And it's like, oh, he's dead. It's like, well, no, he's not dead. They yeah. Like, it, what does it matter? I, he's yeah. They can bring him right back. Who cares? <laughs> not to everyone. Mention, yeah. That kind of ruins it for me. So I don't know. I'm not glad to mention people the enjoy fact it, that it's like, it's not for me. So. I, I'm fine with Quentin Choir as a character. I like that character. He's perfectly cool. I don't need him on my tactical X squad. (laughs) That seems like a bad idea. There's plenty of other telepaths that can do that job and, and do it without being an asshole, you know? (laughs) And and every time they send him out, they're all just like, shut up, Quentin. Oh, great. You got us in trouble again, Quentin. Nice job. (laughs) They're all all mad he's there. Yeah. Why, why are you bringing him? (laughs) There's so, we brought everyone back from the dead. Literally everybody is back from the dead and living on an island and you pick this jerk? I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't get it. <laughs> but yeah, yeah I, I do I, love the untold tale stuff. I think they can have a lot of fun with this. I cannot wait to see what Peter David does with it. I can't wait to see that because you know Peter yeah, David's like going to play are, on his X Factor right, stuff. It's, and, oh. Are they going to do like more? Yeah, it's like from that era, it's like... I. I mean, we talked about it with like ha- a couple weeks ago with Havoc and the, the, that, those costumes and like it's. I and I know it's like nostalgic, like fan service, but oh, like totally, I'll take it. Like They're, sure, I, they, I don't. I don't need the entire line of books to be that. But no. like, if they had one book, like an anthology series, where like you're going to see things you've always loved, like awesome. That's like, obviously what this Mohawk is too. Storm story. This is you the know, like yeah. This is the book that is the answer to people like you who are saying I can't feel anything for this new House of X shit. This is your book. Okay, here you go. Remember when you were young and you weren't so angry? And you, <laughs> like, remember that? Like, well, hey, it's, check it's it out. That, but, it, it's, and it, but it's also like the, you know, like the Cullen Bunn, Jeff Lemire era, which is not good. And yeah. then like the, the Bendis stuff, which is like completely forgettable. Like I forgot about the, the original five coming into the, you know, into the present and then going back. I forgot that even happened because it was like, in, in the end, it felt so inconsequential. And it's like, Oh, that was a storyline. I like liked that when it happened. Five years. I really liked it when it happened. And I will apologize for Bendis's X-Men because I think he did a really nice job writing it. But I totally agree. Like, you, you brought the original X-Men to the future, which seems like a bad idea. And I still don't buy the reason Beast did it. But then, like, the whole thing is like, well, what are we going to do with them? We can't send them back to the past. Oh, my God. You know, they're stuck here now and they're changing everything. And what do we do? I guess we'll just send him back to the past. The end. Okay, next yeah. time in X Men. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, yeah, it, it's one of those like you know, it, I don't know. It's like the sequential st- storytelling over decades is always going to be one of those like reset buttons at some point. But definitely, like the the current story where because I've been sort of re- I've been vaguely paying attention to Marauders because I think the kitty pride not being able to go to the island thing was like interesting. Marauders has been a lot of they fun. They kill her and then they bring her back and then the whole thing is like, oh, well, you couldn't come because you're kind of always phasing. It's like, yeah, that's her thing, guys. Like, yeah. That's not a good reason. That's like, that's, you're telling me that her power that we've known about since 1983 yeah. is affecting her ability to go to the island? Like, It did probably, feel like there was like, a much bigger mystery that was building there, <laughs> and not that. It was like, oh, it's a bug. Oh, yeah, we got a bug we got to chase down in our system. Sorry about that. Like, 
I, I do that at yeah. work. You know, that's not that's not what the X Men fucking do. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you on. wouldn't have a specific. It's it's not like they're not going to make the, the Bat Bond movie about that. Like, right? No, it's, it's standard procedure. Totally. It's like, yeah, oh, yeah. like uh oh, that contact form right. field isn't filling out correctly. Oh my God, what could it mean? Well, it just means it's probably a caching <laughs> issue or whatever. You know. <laughs> like, yeah. You, 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 oh, you got to click that little box. Like, oh, good, great. It's right now, like awesome. No, I, I do. I think the X of Swords thing has been so big that some of the other stuff has been buried a little bit. Um, I do hope they kill Pyro and bring him back without the face tattoo because that's dumb. I don't need the stupid. Oh, I, oh the face tattoo. It's I know. Dumb. It's like, I don't know. Like, there's because it's one of those things. Like, I do. I, I don't know why I like Pyro because he kind of sucks. But like, I'm always just like, all right, cool. Pyro, his costume's kind of like, it's on that verge of like, lame but awesome at the same time oh, it's borderline legion of superheroes is. is what it is he looks like he would be, yeah if you were in the dcu you'd be Fireboy, you know or something right <laughs> it's terrible yeah <laughs> yeah with the goggles and like the little like the the you know like the wrist rocket things like he looks really dumb but then it's like but then there's like underneath it's like i kind of love it i've so, always loved the character um, because it's like no he's not pyrokinetic he doesn't make fire he can control fire which is really interesting. Yeah. But that means like you got to right. run around with a Zippo or something, you know, or one of those yeah. like long click lighters and he's like, click, click, click. Damn it. It won't click. click, click. There we go. <laughs> yeah. He has to hang out with the boy named Flint. Like, come right. on, Flint. Get it lighted. Get it lit. Get it lit. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. X-Men books. They're going to print them long after we're dead. But, oh yeah. Um, they'll never stop. You know, they'll never stop. They'll never stop. So, yeah. And who knows? Maybe we'll get an MCU X-Men movie. If we can ever go back to movie theaters, we'll see. I've I've seen a lot of a lot of people now that like New Mutants was out and done and not talked about anymore. People are like, I watched it; it wasn't that bad. That's not true. I watched so, it; it was that bad. Did you? It, I I mean, you weren't gonna like it. There, I don't know that there was anything they could have done that unless they were like Matt Bomb. What no, do you want to see for the next? But 10 this minutes? goes this goes beyond like, mm-hmm. like I need my nineteen eighties you know, new mutants, like Danny riding a fucking Pegasus and shit. Like, and I knew they weren't going to do that, obviously. This goes beyond that. They obviously just hacked this movie together from stuff that was on the film room floor because the the actors weren't available to finish stuff. The direct, the script was rewritten three times and shit. It's just pasted together. And it's bad. It's bad. It's just a bad movie. I feel... I feel like Marvel, like some some sort of like Fox Marvel company, bought like an old uh, mental facility because it's like that's where they filmed Hel- Hellstrom. That's where they filmed. Oh New yeah. Mutants. They're like, we got this property, we got to use it. Yeah, I'm sure it's some, it's some just spooky... out back in the lot. You know, where they're like, oh yeah, you mean the yeah. haunted house slash mental ward? Yeah, we can shoot a whole movie there, no problem. <laughs> yeah, you where we find where we filmed Gothica? Yeah, it's still around. <laughs> you know, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> All right, Brian, I got David Robbins trying to get in here. So go to the beach, have Thanksgiving, and uh, be safe. Wash your hands, you know, take care of your family and stuff. All right, brother? You too, you too guys. Talk to you later. All yeah. right, talk to you later. David Robbins, I am coming for you. Joe Patrick had some internet issues, but he's trying to get back on here. I don't know what's going on today, but it's all falling apart. So I need you to save this show, Dave. No big deal, but I need you to save the show. I, I don't I don't react well to pressure. That's not my problem. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, morning, well, I'm sir. not a good coach. What do you think of that? <laughs> good morning, sir. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? 
Doing all right. Getting by, getting by. That's good. That's um, all we can do these I, days. I got a couple of bullet points here. Um, and then I got to answer for the question of the week. Let's do um, it. So uh, do you think Quentin Choir, uh, like, admittedly, I am behind on books to a significant degree. Sure. But do you think that Quentin Choir is on the team to be the guy that actively vocally says, um, this is a bad idea? Yeah. I mean, it, okay. Quentin Choir is always, I guess Grant Morrison created the character to be like, yeah, he's kind of like British little punk rock shit, you know, because we don't really yeah. have that in the X-Men, which is kind of fun. And he evolved into that sarcastic voice of like, are we really going to do this? You know, like yeah. this is seriously the plan, which is fun. I yep. like that type of character, but it can also be grating after a while. And absolutely. I start to think like, okay, if I were on a team of people at work, and I were leading that team. And I had this one guy that was constantly like a total shit and maybe saved us or, or figured something out once every 15 times. And I went, okay, great. He's on the team. I would get rid of him. <laughs> Just feel like, all right, that's enough. Thanks. Okay. Fuck off. No, plenty of other people with your power. I can't compare it to the X-Men, but I'm kind of that guy at work. Okay. I'm kind of the guy that like, I don't have the time or the energy to remember what lies I've told people. So <laughs> I just, I tell the truth all the time, whether or not they want to hear it or not. Fair enough. So, you know, I get to be the kind of, I, I get the reputation of being a pain in the ass, but it's because, Hey, look, this is what's going to happen. This is my concern. Um, if it doesn't go that way, great, but I have serious concerns that it's going to go this way. And when it goes this way, I'm like, I thought it was going to go this way. What was our plan to do it? Oh, we didn't have one. Okay, great. Now what are we going to do? Yeah, fair enough. You know, so admittedly, I am that guy. I try not to be, and I can, you know, I, I try not to be, but that's I why you like Quentin Quire. Like, uh, you know, I, I hated him at the beginning and he's kind of turned into the guy of, well, he's got a destiny of becoming the, the host of the Phoenix. Right. Um, he's got like the reputation of everything. And, you know, you can't argue with the guy that shows up wearing a T-shirt that says Magneto was right. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, I did like that aspect that he was also the character that would speak out and be like, yeah, the other side does have a lot of good points. You know. He's absolutely right. It's I've never disagreed with Magneto's opinion. It's his methods. Yeah. And Xavier is the same way. Xavier and Magneto never disagreed on opinion. It was the methodology of it. Oh, definitely. And, and that's the whole thing. And that's where we kind of find ourselves with the X-Men now having their own Island where they're, you know, they took their ball and went home. Right. You know, much, much like they did at the, during civil war where, you know, they're asking Cyclops, uh, what do you think about the Superhuman Registration Act? And he went, look, I, I seem to think I seem to remember nobody giving a crap when they were coming for us. So deuces, we're out. Yeah, I did like that a lot. Because you know, it's great. Be like, it, oh, you guys are having problems with it. Oh, wait a minute. The world hates and fears you all of a sudden. Um, oh, how does that taste? I hope you're OK. <laughs> you <know? Yeah. laughs> Screw you guys. <laughs> I never really hated that opinion for choir, but I'm, I'm getting kind of lost in, in things here. And I had a couple other, other uh, things I wanted to, to, to hit Keep moving. Um, with uh, Vulcan as bad as Vulcan is. And admittedly I'm behind, so I don't know much about this Adam X stuff, but I don't care as long as sugar man's not involved. Uh, you don't like the sugar man. <laughs> I, hate the, I hate the sugar man. Okay. People are not going to know what we're talking about. So talk about the sugar man a little bit. I'm going to find a picture of the sugar man because okay. if we just, if you didn't know who the sugar man was 
And what David is about to describe, you would think he's just making this up. He's not. It's a uh, real thing. Picture, if you've ever seen a commercial or a clip from the movie Critters. Yep. Um, you take one of those things <laughs> and you blow it up to this, almost the size of the juggernaut. And you give it an extra pair of arms and almost a prehensile tongue with like razor sharp teeth. Don't forget the horns and horns, <laughs> but he's not an idiot. He's a genetic manipulation, a genetic manipulating genius on the level of uh, sinister and dark beast. Yep. Um, and he's a terrible, terrible concept that was, is one of the, four carryovers from age of apocalypse that I really wish still didn't exist. Yeah. And now wasn't the story that like sinister created him in a lab. Am I making that up in age of apocalypse? Um, and he was I like, don't remember. I've tried to block everything about the sugar man out of my head, but the only reason they brought him back or brought him in to six one six is because they brought Nate gray from uh, age of apocalypse to six one six and they needed to have an antagonist for him. Right. And dark, well, they so, were, dark beast came over too at that time. So he was dark. Beast, well. It was dark beast Holocaust who became nemesis. Yeah. Um, because, and, you know, uh, Holocaust that, that name's got some connotations. Dark beast Holocaust sugar man and Nate gray. And I think those are the only four carryovers from AOA into six one six. Yeah. Sugar man was basically like Modoc. With yep. legs, extra arms, sharp teeth, and horns. And a mohawk. And, and intelligent. And very intelligent, yes. Yeah. Um, I, do, um, I do believe he's gone forever. But then again, Nanny and the Orphan Maker just showed back up on the island, so... Anytime we don't hear about a character <laughs> for 10 years or so, somebody's like, I got a story for him, and they bring him back. Yeah. Well, so, it's when yeah. people like you and I say their names out loud, they become real, like the Candyman. Well, so so yeah, Sugar Man is Candyman. That's that's like too too ironic. <laughs> you say in the mirror five times and he will pop up behind you. Yes. Right, right. Um, next bullet point. Um, I'm not going to go into spoiler territory. Uh, Supernatural wrapped up this week. Yes. Um, I I have mixed feelings. I need to let the finale marinate. Okay. All I can say is last week's episode of Inherit the Earth and this week's finale of Carry On one of the two of them is going to be the finale that you enjoy. Really? So, yes. So you like, were a little let down. Um, well, last week's show could have been the season, the series finale. It ended in such a way that if this is the end, sure, that's fine. Right. Then they, they did this week's episode where this is the, the true finale and sure. Okay. This is the only way it could go for these characters. This makes absolute sense. And they, they both have, have character resolution. Some people are not going to like carry on, which is the, the final episode. Okay. And you know, I get that some people are going to really like, not like that. We just ended here with last week's episode. I get that. It's you get the, the kind of resolution you want in both episodes. Okay. So let me ask you this. I love yeah. supernatural unabashedly. So, but, I am not caught up. I fell behind years and years and years behind. And I'm yeah. on like season 13 right now or something. Okay. But part of me wants to skip ahead so bad and watch like the final two seasons more or less. Cause I heard they're fantastic and they're well, tying if everything up. If you're in 13, you're almost there anyway. Um, because 15 is the wrap. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, I so they just ended that. 15. The, the 15 was supposed to end last spring 
and COVID shut them down before they finished. Oh. They added like two or three onto the end of the run. Okay. And they wrapped where they, cause they were going to do a final short season of like 18. Right. And then they wound up doing 23. Oh, okay. So they split yeah. it up. I thought I had like seven more seasons for some fucking reason. No, 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 no. F- okay. 15 is, I'll fight 15 it is out. the end. I'll fight yeah. it out. Seasons 11 and 12. God, I'm a slog. God, I'm a slog. Um, <laughs> a little bit. Because like 11 and 12, is that Apocalypse World? Yeah. And, yeah. Me and the, the Men of Letters and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, that's when they kept like, a, yeah. Joe and I talked about it not too long ago, but that's when they kept like, oh, you thought the stakes were high last season. Well, they're higher now when this guy comes back. I'm like, that guy again? Yeah. Like, we know it's the third time he's back, but this time he's back, back, back. You're like, okay, got it. Great. Here we but go. you know what? I don't care because I could watch Mark Pellegrino play Lucifer all day. I love him. Yeah. <laughs> love him. Um, yeah. Get, get through the end. Um, there's there's a ton of fun character resolution. Have you gotten to episode 300, which is called Lebanon? No, not yet. Okay. You're going to want to keep going just so you can get to that because that is like the most like just warm hug of an episode of supernatural ever all right and it's 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 just it's the scene you never thought you would have you would see happen and it's the they finally kiss the brothers finally kiss (laughs) i've been screaming for it for years now (laughs) four actors whose characters have been pivotal like parts of supernatural for the entirety of the thing who have never shared a scene together. Really? Okay. And, and they, they actually get to share a scene together. It's in episode 300 called Lebanon. I can't even fathom who that would be. I feel like they've recycled so many characters so many times. I'll tell you if you want. No, 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 a couple no, ago. no. Don't tell me. Okay. Don't tell me. I want to march into it now and just let it wash over me. So, all right. All right. I will finish. Um, I will. I will definitely finish. Cool. Uh, and then the, the question of the week, um, uh, characters who just the fundamental misunderstanding of the character or mishandling of the character. Um, I'm going to go to my wheelhouse, uh, Buffy comics season eight. Okay. Xander and Dawn in a relationship together. Yeah. Yeah. Because like Xander used to babysit Dawn. Yep. Xander babysat <laughs> Dawn. And I mean, there's, there's nothing creepy about the fact that when they have the relationship, both of them are of age. Like that is sure one hundred percent. You know that. Yeah, it's it's the fact that she's his little sister for all intents and purposes. Yeah, you know, yeah. She, he was crushing on his, her older sister, and now he's dating her younger sister, and it's serious. And, and like I, I was fine like, when like she was young and had a crush on Xander. That's cute. She's a young girl. Absolutely. She has a crush on her, absolutely. whatever. But it's like you don't take that power. You don't no. you, like that's what certain like Warren Ellis got in trouble for, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. don't do that. And it's kind of I, <laughs> and I, I think it is an unfortunate consequence of the episode potential where Xander actually treats Don as an equal by saying, uh, you know, my friends, I've watched them g- grow in power and grow in power and grow in power. Oz could fit. I could fit him in my shaving kit, become a full moon. He's nobody to be screwed with. Yeah. And you're, you're like me, you see what's going on. You're the one who sees. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's him treating her as an equal. And I think that moment in the show is fantastic. You know, especially coming up to the, the part where, uh, in the finale, um, they, they try and get Dawn out of there. You know, Buffy says, get Dawn out of here. Yeah. Xander does. 
she tases him, drags him back to the house and say, no, you're not taking this fight without me. Yeah. It made her a fully fledged adult member of the Scooby gang, which is great. All of that has the unfortunate consequence in the comics of them being in a relationship together. Yeah, it was, I don't know. I, I, I liked Buffy season eight and I love, I really enjoyed those dark horse comics. Yeah. But I, I don't disagree. I remember thinking it was really just a strange idea and no reason to do it. And I think it would have been much more interesting if, if maybe the character Kane woman's like, look, I'm in love with you, whatever. And he's like, Hey, I love you too, but you're like one of my best friends. You're like my little sister. And I think that's where we need to be. I think that and, would have made a much more intelligent and better look for Xander. Yeah. You know, as opposed to like, yeah, you're of age now. Let's I've I've been thinking about it since having babysitting you. You're like, and, yeah, no, gross. And, you know, devil, devil's advocate for this. Again, maybe there are things that are missing between 722 and when we catch up with them in season eight with Xander dealing with Anya's death that yeah. we never saw. Yeah. You know, maybe there is stuff in there that is a logical like point for this, but we never saw it. We yeah. never got it. We never got explanation. I was and that's, say, that's effectively fan fiction, buddy. They never showed us any of that. So <laughs> exactly. Exactly. We, we don't, we just don't know. Um, and now that now I'm thinking about it, a different related uh, thing with season eight, isn't it kind of ironic that season eight of Buffy has the hanging threat of this character twilight that they never mention until it's revealed to be angel once the licensing at IDW expired oh, yeah. and they, they were able to use the character again, much like season one of agents of shield couldn't do the Hydra reveal until winter soldier. And they were treading water until that point as well. Yeah. Poor agents of shield, that pork show. It got, it just got jerked around so hardcore. It did. <laughs> And it could have been so that much show, fun. That show would have been so much better in season one if it would have been a mid-season replacement that started in January and they had about five episodes that they could have done character development with or even started in December or whatever that they could have done character development with and a short run-up to the, the Hydra reveal and Winter Soldier without like just treading water for an entire half a season. Yeah, I would argue Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is another show that just got it wrong, but it's not even the show's fault. You know what right. I mean? Like I picture a writer's room, like old school writer's room where there's one light in the middle and everybody's smoking and they're just like pissed off and there's booze on the table and there's a guy with a visor with like that green clear, you know, bill and he's just tearing out script pages going, can't do that! Tearing on, can't do that! <laughs> you know, like, what are we I even doing they, here? You know? <laughs> I, I kind of think they got it right more than they got it wrong except when they went to space. And they went to the future. At that point, somebody in the script room in the writers' room should have said, "Get the fuck out of here!" Yes. And stayed. And they should have stayed in in uh, right on Earth and all that. It, yeah, I, I I hate. I kept like, leaving I'm the not, show and dipping my toe back into it. Like, all right, people keep yelling at me and saying, "Come back, Matt, check it out." And I'm like, "All right, fine." And I come back and it's like, "No, just no." <laughs> this is just, I don't need this. I don't want it. I don't feel anything for these dumb characters. Yeah. They were all way too good looking, by the way. Just, well, yeah. like, there wasn't one character on the show that would be like, okay, yeah, that guy works for S.H.I.E.L.D. I'll buy that, you know? <laughs> even, even the nerds were too good looking. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Um, and as much as I love the show and, uh, and like I love Marvel, I hate Marvel in space. I'm not a cosmic fan. I like, it's just not my wheelhouse. Really? I don't. 
uh, yeah, I, I'm not I, like I stand Earth on 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 with the with the, the the ground level characters. I, I'm not a big fan of just the cosmic level. I don't read Surfer. I don't read any of that stuff. Really, and my least favorite X Men stuff is X Men in Space, except Corsair and Cyclops tooling around Father and Son. Man, I loved that so much. That Cyclops yeah, series was just yeah. incredible. God, it was wonderful. that's the only that's the only Marvel in space I really dig. Um, unless it's dealing with the Phoenix Force. That's about it. And Thor Godstorm was pretty good too. That, Thor that was, Godstorm that, that, was amazing. Oh my God. Yeah. It was so yeah. good. <laughs> those, those are, those are about it, but I just, you know, stay on earth. Like that's what makes the X-Men great. That's what makes, you know, that, that like when you take an allegory set of characters and you remove them from the situation, they're supposed to be an allegory for something just feels like false about it. That's fair. We'll get ready. Cause they're going to space mm-hmm. again. So as soon as Exosaurus mm-hmm. is over, they're going to space. So good thing I haven't started reading X of Swords yet and really haven't started reading much of the Hickman stuff at all. And it's all piling up. So I will have plenty of time to get to it while I can skip over space. (laughs) All right, man. It's good to talk to you as always, David. I got to shut this down and see if Joe Patrick died. And if so, (laughs) we'll miss him. But I did say in a tweet before we started, better tune in because one of us won't survive. So (laughs) may have called that. Just saying. And I don't feel guilty either because I had no prior knowledge and I didn't kill him. I just called him a shot. You know, whatever, man. (laughs) So I got to say, I I don't know if I've told you guys yet, but thank you for your one little area of Omaha being that one electoral vote that uh, went to uh, like, I I, I appreciate that. You know, we we got Wisconsin flipped blue this year. So I'm happy about that too. Yeah, absolutely, man. Good job. Happy elections uh, to us. Now, uh, if we can just get this lunatic out of the White House and have a peaceful transition and convince 70 million Americans that, hey, we don't hate you. In fact, we want to take better care of you than they do. (laughs) I'll feel better on January 20th. Yeah, you and me both, brother. It's good to talk to you. Have a happy Thanksgiving. Take care of your family, okay? And take care of yourself. Wash your hands, all right? You too, guys. Take care, brother. Miss Branch, get Peter Parker on the phone. Okay, enough of this business. It is time to go to the THM phone lines. Let's see who called this week. There we go. Hey guys, it's Jason Sachs. How's it going? Uh, happy Thanksgiving. Thankful for you guys and the fun you're giving us, especially during these crazy ass times. Um, so, Misunderstanding. Uh, Punisher was created in 1974 by Jerry Conway as kind of a villain, really. Just this asshole who uh, was an assassin for hire and who uh, just was this nasty piece of work who was not admirable in any way. Um, gradually over time, the character has become kind of a hero to these right-wing militias, to uh, Conway's anger, detriment, frustration over the years. Uh, it's just kind of sad and pathetic to see this character who is really, at best, this morally compromised person turn into this symbol for rebellion and what they feel is right in America. It just um, it just disgusts me every time I see that that character portrayed as, as a hero. He's he's just not. Anyway, on that cheerful note <laughs> I hope you have a great day. Talk to you later. Bye. So Jason just stole my answer. Yeah, Jason, that's you know pretty spot on buddy. And it, but it's not just Okay, so I'll, I'm going to take it a step further because it's not just like the Proud Boys and these assholes that wear Punisher skulls and whatnot. When cops do it, too, you see yeah. cops with Punisher skulls on. And that makes 
no sense whatsoever. Putting it on their cars. Yeah. Like, first of all- Their squad cars. The, the Punisher is a murderer. I'm not going to get into whether or not he's a good character or a bad character. Or whatever. I like the Punisher. I like Punisher stories. I think he's a very interesting character. He is not about racial inequity. He is not about policing. He is a vigilante that kills bad guys. That is what he is. Yeah. And for anyone to like wear that skull in any other way than being a fan of the comic book is just ridiculous. If so, I mean, like, why not wear a Captain America shirt while you're at it? You know, like that, that makes perfect sense, right? I mean, yeah. or maybe a Kitty Pride shirt. Why don't you guys all show up with your Kitty Pride costumes on? You know, like really let everyone know you're into comics. <laughs> God, it's just, it's so ridiculous and so co-opted it makes me sick but the absolute worst since jason took that one from me calvin peeing on anything that is <laughs> far and away the worst misuse and co-opting of a comic book character ever absolutely ever and i don't care what he's peeing on chevy ford uh, you know, or fucking the American flag or whatever. It's just stupid. And there is not a world where that creator made a single dollar off of it, first of all, nor would he have allowed for that to be used in that way. It was a stolen image that has been put on so many different trucks and cars and t-shirts and shit. And, and Bill Watterson is beside himself with that crap. It is disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. Now, there was a time when I was on tour with a band and we found a truck that had a Calvin Peeing sign and I cut out a cursive sticker and put put it under there so it looked like <laughs> Calvin was peeing on our friend's cursive van. I took a picture of it and sent it to him. I was like, man, this guy fucking hates you. <laughs> and they thought that was very funny. <laughs> It's pretty good. That said, terrible. That is my answer. It is disgusting. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, I, I, I agree in both cases. Um, I mean, and, and it's not that like Calvin isn't mischievous, you know. Yeah, he's a mischievous kid. Do I think Calvin pees on stuff sometimes? Sure. Uh, he pees outdoors? No question. Absolutely. He's playing. I get it. You can't, you don't have time to go inside and pee. I get that. Uh, but yeah, no, the idea of like using it as a, like, I hate this thing yeah. is, is really stupid. Well, and, and it's always like a brand or something like that has anything to do with Calvin and Hobbes, anything. And I don't care right. what the brand is. I don't care if it's something I like or dislike. I don't care if it's Calvin peeing on like the KKK. That is ridiculous. And not what Bill Watterson wants. And, and it has nothing to do with Calvin and Hobbes whatsoever. Ooh, what if it was, what if it was Calvin peeing on Calvin peeing on Calvin peeing like an infinite loop of Calvin you, peeing? You're going to break my brain. Stop that. Don't like, I'm too high for this, dude. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, those are good answers. Um, for me, like, you know, we banged this drum almost every week, but you know, it's been two weeks <laughs> and, uh, because it was on my mind when this question came up, uh, I am giving it to uh Zack Snyder's Superman. Um I, I think that you just keep inviting the storm, don't you? <laughs> look, you know what? I post it on Twitter with a hashtag or whatever. Um and it's not like it's not about whether or not the movies are good. It's not about it being 
or it not being quote unquote my Superman, I think like change the origin, fine, update Krypton, whatever, you know, like, give it pterodactyls. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't like, like, look, it's fine. It's fine. Um, but I think that he just completely misunderstands the message of Superman. Uh, and I don't need it to be slavishly devoted to the Christopher Reeve version, but like the idea, first of all, Superman is the heroic ideal. He's what like he's out of the box, you know, right. an iconic, right. Um, like an archetype. I don't really need to see stories where he fails or learns a lesson. I'm okay in a story where he fails if he learns yeah, yeah, a lesson. Yeah, no, I mean I, I I mean what I'm, I'm fine what I'm that. getting at is like um if you're giving me a movie that is the new origin of Superman, I don't need I don't need to see Superman learning the lesson that it's not okay to kill. Oh, but that's my favorite argument. Well, he had just become Superman and he was learning. <laughs> oh, really? And he sucks at it. He's terrible at what he does. <laughs> yeah. Like in Man of Steel. Okay. Like in Batman versus Superman, Batman is basically in the right. Minus the machine guns and stuff. Yeah, I was going to say, and the murder, you know. <laughs> I'm like, I'm saying, like, yes, this alien god came to earth and had a hand in causing billions of property billions in property damage and an untold number of deaths yeah and yeah so absolutely batman was in the right to be like fuck that guy i need answers well, i need to take him down a peg he was but he was in the right for the wrong reasons <laughs> Like, it just got, like, super personal for him. Like, he looked past all the good reasons. Like, nope, I'm making this a straight-up personal fight. I'm going to murder this guy for personal reasons. It just so happens there's other reasons, too. But <laughs> that's, I want everyone to know, I'm just fucking mad. <laughs> okay? And I guess, uh, you, you know, when I when I say that I don't want to uh, see Superman having to learn a lesson, uh, that's not that's not exactly true. Um, I just think that the lessons that he learned throughout the movie were absolutely wrong. Yeah, well, and not just wrong. They, it goes past being wrong. They were ham-fisted. They were just stupid. It, it was poorly done. It was a bad way to learn those lessons. You can have similar lessons and write it better, and it would be fine. You could even write it better where he kills the guy. That could, I, I, I would argue you absolutely could. And I'd be okay with it, but just like freaking out and breaking a guy's neck. Come on. That's, that is the lowest of stakes. That right. is the lowest of low stakes. Not to mention the fact when you spent the entire movie explaining to us that, oh, we're just as strong as each other. So how could you break each other's neck in the first fucking place? I mean, it's just dumb. Yeah, you do yeah, a Patrick I mean, Swayze like wrestling move on him? Really? From Roadhouse? Really? <laughs> it's all it's also the the laziest choice. Yeah. You know, absolutely. Inst instead of, you know, being put in a moral quandary where he's like he lets Zod live despite all the damage and destruction he's caused. Oh man, what if he gets out? You know, it's the same thing with Batman and the Joker. Batman doesn't kill the Joker. He just doesn't. Because he doesn't kill. Superman doesn't kill because he values human life above he he values life above all else. Right. And so even if that means if that someday Zod gets out of the Phantom Zone or whatever, 
you know, it is what it is. Didn't kill him in the end of Superman 2, by the way. That didn't happen. Yeah, no, Sorry, I know dudes. That. Yeah. Zod's alive in it, Superman 3. <laughs> Sorry. And, <laughs> you know, and the lesson throughout the movie that humanity can't be trusted to know you. You know, don't, like, don't reveal yourself. Don't put yourself on the line to save others. Yeah. Protect yourself at all costs. Let me die in a tornado. Yeah. And like, it's, it's all the wrong lessons through all the entire movie to the point where it's like, so why did he become Superman? Well, not just that. It's not an update. You have not updated anything in an origin by changing minor things like that to make the lessons that he learned not very good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> yeah. How That's not an update. Why? Why even do that? Why even show us the origin? Just, just. Give us Superman if you want to do it and just be like, he's here and he, and he's fighting Zod again and he breaks Zod's neck this time. Okay, whatever. But like all the stuff that leads up to it, it's it just, the payoff is really lousy, really lousy. And then like yeah. he's supposed to die and we're supposed to feel something when he comes back, even though we all knew he was going to come back. And when he did come back, we felt nothing. And, and I know there's people that loved it and that's fine. I, it was not for me and it was not well-written and I absolutely 100% have faith that this new Justice League bullshit on HBO is just going to be longer and more shit that I don't like. <laughs> more tedious. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're just going to add, you're going to make the turd this much longer. Well, it's still a turd. It's just, I, I agree. The turd, oh, and point, and, and the turd got longer. Have you, yeah. Have you seen the new Steppenwolf? <laughs> pointier on both ends. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, and all, and all of the Snyder bros are like, yeah, check it out. Joss Whedon suck eggs. Look at this Steppenwolf. This is how Steppenwolf is supposed to be. It's like, he just looks sharper. Yeah. He just has more spikes on him. That's how is that better? And how is it Joss Whedon's fault? I don't fucking know. Joss Whedon didn't design what Steppenwolf looks like in the goddamn movie. And I know. Joss Whedon came in and wrote some extra stuff to lighten things up a little bit because it was so dour. I mean, well, he had to finish the film because Snyder had to back off, but well, he didn't um, design Steppenwolf. I guarantee. uh, Yes, I know. (laughs) Uh, But anyway, So my bottom line is this Superman is supposed to be a beacon of hope. No matter what version of his origin you go off of Superman is supposed to be a beacon of hope that all others look up to. The only thing hopeful about Zack Snyder's Superman is the fact that he literally says this stands for hope. You know, what's the S stand for? Oh, it's not an S it stands for hope. Yeah. Yeah. No, you he he is completely devoid of hope as a character yeah and yeah so i like i'm not sure like i don't know how much time passed between uh uh man of steel and then well i don't think it was that long anyway uh, i'm not sure exactly how much time passed between man of steel and him dying at the end of batman versus superman it could not possibly have been long enough for the humans of earth to have embraced him as 
they wanted us to believe they did at the beginning of Justice League. Oh, I thought it was supposed to be like five years later or something like that. I don't know. I don't think so. Maybe not. I I, I don't think so. Uh, I don't recall. And I'm not going back to revisit it because I don't care. Yeah. And I, I, like at, I just don't at, care. At the beginning of Justice League, they show that little cam video like where the kids run up to Superman and they're like, Superman, Superman. Yeah. It's like, what has he done? Right. To make them anything but terrified. He knocked down a city. <laughs> An entire city. Yeah. 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 You know, well, I guess we're just like, uh, Disney beta cucks. That's what we, you know, so. Yeah, you know, sorry they can't all be MC. Yeah. They, they can't all be Ant-Man, bro. Uh, yeah. yeah, I guess we'll just have to deal with the movies that were reviewed better and made more money, I guess. <laughs> and that actually, <laughs> that they make me feel good despite the updates they make. And remind me of, you know, the comics. Stuff like that. The little things yeah. that I ask for. But I'm a bitch. What can I say? <laughs> you know. All right. Let's get a new question of the week. Finally, please. Let's review this question week first and see what we've got. (laughs) Just because this one was a little heady. No, it's good. It's good. This week's question was submitted by Lord Stephen Fino, the THN Master of Coin via the forums. He used to call us all the time. I miss that guy. I know. What's the most creative use of an otherwise quote-unquote useless superpower in comics? Mm. For example, uh, while the event itself was not good, the use of Dazzler... To take out Black Bolt in Inhumans vs. X-Men was a great use of her power set. I don't remember how it happened. Well, yeah, I don't either. I'll have to look it up. But I love that. So, like, seemingly useless power used to... To great effect. Kick-ass effect. All right. Yeah, yeah. That's a fun one. We will do that next week. But right now, let's wish everybody... Yeah, please. uh, real quick, though, please, everybody, um, we're going to need more questions of the week. Uh, so please hit me up with those on the forums or email or wherever you know how to find me. It's true. Uh, next week on the show, Cosmic Longbox is back. And I don't know if you've noticed, but we've stretched that show out a little bit to let it breathe because we want to talk about these old comics a little more. So segments are going to be every other week. And we're going to let the Cosmic Longbox be a show. It's going to be its thing. And next week, we are talking about holidays and comics. Comics that center around Holiday themes take place on the holidays, holiday specials, holiday comics. It's going to be awesome. I love it. And, uh, yeah, that's about it. Thanks, everybody, that called. Thanks, everybody, that played along. Thanks, uh, everybody that chatted with us, watched us on Facebook, popped into the Zoom. We don't have a show without you guys. We will be here again next week. Yeah, sorry I lost you guys there for a while, but... uh... But it wasn't bad, right, you guys? Like, I, I handled it solo really well, and it almost felt like... Do we need Joe? You know, I mean, I, I don't know. I hey, I had a good time. <laughs> I'm happy to have Saturdays off, my friend. <laughs> All right. Until Wednesday, remember to pre-order your comics. This is Matt Bomb. And this is Joe Patrick. And this is the Two-Headed Nerd signing off.